A census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Hero can be anyone, even a man doing something as simple and reassuring as putting a coat around a young boy's shoulders to let him know the world hadn't ended. Hey, Mr. Rogers. It's a beautiful day. Welcome to Screen Perspectives. Produced by the Pittsburgh Film Office, we share how people build successful careers in the screen industry, be it film, TV, streaming, etc. Screen Perspectives was born out of many conversations with industry professionals, sometimes over dinner, sometimes over drinks, and a lot of times driving around looking at the wonderful diversity of locations in the southwestern Pennsylvania region. Thousands of people make their living in the film TV streaming business, which is nationally an over $28 billion a year industry. Locally, it's responsible for over $150 million in new money each year to the southwestern Pennsylvania region's economy. There really is no direct pathway to success in this industry. It's a lot of hard work, networking, and you have to account for a little bit of luck to be successful. The Pittsburgh Film Office is excited to share these amazing individual stories with you so you can learn how they did it and determine your best path forward. Screen Perspectives is hosted by me, Dawn Keezer, director of the Pittsburgh Film Office, and the incredible Kevin Smith, screenwriter and director of broadcasting at the University of Pittsburgh. Our guest on today's podcast is the award-winning writer, director, and producer, Melissa Martin. Her work includes The Bread My Sweet, which screened at more than 20 film festivals and was released theatrically nationwide. Melissa also wrote the screenplay for the acclaimed Dear Zoe with Zen Hayes Productions. She's also known for being a writer and director of Dog Bites, a web series that has garnered international attention. More of her work includes Paper Umbrellas, I'll Call You, Come With Me, The Cookie Table, and A Weekend in Toronto. Melissa currently teaches at Carnegie Mellon University School of Drama. Hi, Melissa. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Dawn, my queen. Thank you. <laughs> oh, that's our secret name. You can't say that out loud. I'm teasing. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. You make me call you that, too. What the what's going on here? <laughs> I pretend everybody has, you know, Kevin's actually the president of my fan club. Yes, Melissa. I am. Well, you know, but you're also the president, so, you know, yes. you guys will have to duke it out. It's okay. I was going to say I could bring snacks next time. Oh, oh there you go. There goes my presidency. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we're thrilled you were able to join us today. We really just want to get to know a little bit about who you are, how you got here, how you know how you would tell other people to sort of follow your path and what advice you'd give us. So we're not going to keep you here all day, but let's talk a little bit about, I don't know, you want to start at the beginning, Kevin, or you want to talk about what she's doing right now? There's two things. I'll call you. Yes. And dog bites. Yes. Right. Real, and if we want to go, Flower Baby, too, if we really want to go into it. But that being said, these are wonderful comedies. Oh, thank you. So they are, um, you know, first I did a feature, and then I started doing um, web series. So um, Dog Bites started out sort of as a, a one-off and um, that we did over a weekend with a group of um, – 
sort of like-minded friends, but with a student component as well from Point Park. And that short film went to something like 20 film festivals. But before that, even before we even knew that was going to happen, we had we sort of fell in love with these characters. And so then we made more of it. And the way we made more was exactly the same way, was just sort of like uh, really guerrilla filmmaking. And nobody made any money. And, you know, there was just, you know, a little bit to cover PB&Js, you know. <laughs> And um, I'll Call You was kind of the same way. That was more of a, a hired gig for me. Somebody uh, called me, and it's a really bro comedy, which, again, we shot all those episodes. I think we shot like 11 pages a day. I can't remember. It was crazy. <laughs> and um, we shot it really fast. And you learn a lot doing those things, and it's the kind of thing that I would recommend that any young filmmaker do. Um, I'm kind of old now, though. Oh no! You're not. <laughs> what, what, well, you have these wonderful comedies. What was your inf- what were your influences growing up to want to do these? Because you also have your dramas. But what was your influence right. growing uh, growing up? Well, I came from a really dysfunctional family, and my siblings and I have I'm a, one of four siblings, and we I think that we always got we used and we still do today humor to get through everything, no matter how bad it is. It only takes a second before it's funny and really inappropriately funny. <laughs> and I also have like 20 cousins. We all grew up in the same town and we're all the same. We all have this, you know, insanely bizarre sense of humor and it it's just how we function. So, <laughs> you know. Do you steal characters from your family members? Like, in other words, do you pattern some of the characters that you write? Sometimes I do, yeah. I mean, it's like aspects of the family members and... You know, they're all sort of like when I think of paranoia, when I think of that, I think of my mother sometimes, you know, when I think about unexpected things that happen to a character, I always imagine going to the nth degree, you know, like she would hit the floor when somebody unexpected would knock on the door and literally crawl around. (laughs) So so that's that's my genetic makeup. And uh, so, you know, where's home? Um, Originally, Aurora, Illinois. Ah, nice Midwestern. Wayne's world. Ah. <laughs> and how did you get to Pittsburgh? Um, my parents moved here at some point and I came home. Like, I, there was one summer that I didn't do summer rep. I was an undergrad acting major. And I came home here and I met the man who would then become my first husband. And um, I sort of, I came here after graduation. The intent was to go on to New York, but I started working here. And then I went to Carnegie Mellon to get my master's in dramatic writing because I had started writing as an undergrad also and had uh, my, my first play produced. And so that's where, I mean, I really wanted to get control of, my undergrad was very big on, because it was a conservatory. They were very big on you choosing one single path and you staying on that path. And, you know, I was like breaking a rule to write a play. And, and so, but I wanted control. And at the time there weren't roles for young women, except for ingenues, which weren't interesting to me. And so I wanted to write roles that I, that I could play. And now as a grown up and a mother of, you know, the queerest 
blackest kids on the planet, I am now interested <laughs> in promoting the work and education of LGBTQ and BIPOC um, emerging artists. That's sort of my mission these days, is everything that I do needs to have that component. Um, otherwise, I'm not interested in it, frankly. And since you wear so many hats, because, yeah. you know, we didn't do a great job talking about what who Melissa really is, which you started as a writer, you're a producer, you're a director, but you really started writing plays before you ever moved into the world of making movies, right? That's right. I wanted to write a, a sort of a memorial piece for a friend of mine who had died. And initially I thought of it as a play, but, you know, it was set in the strip district and I, I would watch these pigeons pooling in the air. And I thought, I can't do that on stage. And I wanted to make, when you dump raspberries into the dough for biscotti, it blushes. It, boom. And this was a love story. You can't put that on stage either. So I thought, well, I'll write it as a screenplay and I'll get like $30,000 and we'll make it into a movie. (laughs) 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 Needless to say, there was a lot more money involved and a lot more people involved. And, you know, Everything is um, such a collective art form and a collaborative endeavor, which I really appreciate. And along the way, I started teaching as well, which is part of this mentorship mission that I have. Um, and it is, you know, it's as important to me to give voice to them as it is to do my own work. I, it's as gratifying to me. And I have like, you know, some real rock stars right now and... It's always that way, you know, and, I, and I, I mentor outside of CMU too. It's not just the CMU students, I'm everywhere. How many students do you think you're working with right now? Mm, maybe 40, wow. 30, 40. Wow. It depends on the semester, what's, you know, what's up. And then I also have about five people who I'm informally mentoring who are completely outside the system. And, you know, it, it's just, you know, you got, I think it goes back to that idea that I, so at some point somebody told me you had to be the one thing, only the one thing. And, and nobody even said what would happen if you decided you wanted to be a mentor, mm-hmm. you know? Well, and so I feel like all of it, you have to be able to create a healthy balance as an artist. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, I find the healthiest place I am is when I'm teaching when I'm working with other people in that capacity. So I like to, to do that. And I love the energy. Did you have a mentor? I did. Frank Galliano. He lives in Mount Lebanon. He was great. I had the great good fortune to come to Carnegie Mellon when Arthur Jerome, who was the head of the program at the time, was on sabbatical. And we had Frank for that year. And he was hilarious as well. He totally got me as a writer. He still does. And um, we're still close. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think mentorship is, I, I kind of feel like a little bit of what we teach is like teaching people to swim outside the pool. You know, we can provide the information, provide the information, but ultimately we had to go like, go on young tadpoles and swim, <laughs> screw it up. So you, so you don't the next time, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so now I want to talk about your dramas. Cause like you said, you went from stage and then into dramas. The two things I would really love to know as in the early acting days prior to 
you deciding, okay, I'm going into the writing world. How has that given you a perspective on writing? That's a really and, good question. Yeah. So how, let's start with that one then. Well, the first of all, I know that I notice I can tell if I don't know already, I can tell with my grad writers, which ones of them have done, have, have been actors because they always write really great dialogue mm-hmm. and they write the characters that actors want to play because actors are going to ask certain questions. You know, who am I? What do I want? What will happen if I don't? Where did I come from? Why do I want this? What, what part of me is broken? How am I healed? They're going to ask all those questions and a writer or director who hasn't been in that you know, hasn't been in their shoes and doesn't understand their vulnerability and their need for information, um, you know, doesn't, isn't adequately prepared. So again, I started writing roles that I wanted to play and I did play it first. I did a lot. I, I would write this play, direct it and act in it because I didn't know any better. I mean, I kind of knew I wasn't supposed to do it, but. (laughs) (laughs) Are you in Brad? I don't remember. I'm not. No, you're not in red. Okay. No, they were like, you got to be in it. You got to get, you got to be one place in it. And I'm, I'm not in, in, I am right now in this show, the film that I have in post-production still, um, I've done all these weird voice work for all placeholders for the ADR. And like, I'm a man. And sometimes I just turn the volume of my voice down. (laughs) (laughs) That's basic psych, right? Yes. Now, I will say this for our, uh, the listeners. Uh, when Dawn refers to inbred, she means inbred my sweet. You and I have to. Why aren't you on some psychotropic drugs? You want to marry somebody? I'm married. Six months and you're out. I promise, okay? I can't do this. That Dominic is the best man I know. It would make you happier if I got married, wouldn't it? We have to get married for you, Mom. Man, you are nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Just want to right. clarify that. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah, it's not about, you know, West Virginia. Yeah, thank Can you. I say that well, out loud? Yeah, you can't because we have <laughs> listeners in West Virginia. I, you know, I know. But yeah, yeah, maybe from Aurora. Let's put but, it I am, but I am also inbred. Okay, yes, right. There you go. Absolutely. So we wanted to put that disclaimer in just in case we were just making sure it's clear. Yeah. Um, so the second part of that question is, so now uh, when you make the transition from doing stage plays to screenplays, mm-hmm. It is a challenging transition when it comes to the technique and writing, but also in your vision of what you can do. Like you mentioned, you can't have pigeons in a stage play, but you can certainly put them in a screenplay. So how did you change and evolve as a writer? Well, it's really funny because when I go back and look at the script for The Bread My Sweet, um, it's written like a playwright wrote it. And... I mean, it really is. It has some visual description in it, it certainly, but um, it, it's very much like a play. Mm-hmm. And um, most of my writers that come to CMU come in as playwrights and leave the screen. I mean, you know, with a lot, they come in with a lot, they leave um, certainly way more skilled than they were in screenwriting. And, and I always say to them, you need to make your character shut up because dialogue is failure. I mean, in a screenplay, dialogue is failure. They just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And my characters <laughs> talked and talked and talked and talked, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's all about the action. Absolutely. It, it, and yeah. And, you, and it's about writing, literally writing what you imagine you see on the frame, in the frame. And that's, and then, you know, once you can do that, then, then I start, to, then we start to talk about writing where you imagine the edits might be. Hmm. 
and you know what is the rhythm uh, you don't write grammatically you know, and and that's another thing about encouraging students to become writers because a lot of them are particularly in film are students who've always been really good at making things with their hands and may not feel like they were the world's greatest expository writers and this is completely different mm-hmm. so i find students who can't write a paragraph but who can write a beautiful screenplay right you know and that's interesting that's that's so interesting well writing's cathartic mm. what what does it do for you when you write um, well, I have this thing, like when it, the first 18 pages, I think whatever I'm writing is a freaking miracle. And then like on page 19, <laughs> I refer to it as this piece of poop, but not bath that I'm working on. <laughs> and so it is, and it's that way from, from there on out, it is, you know, for me, it's a struggle. It always has been. I feel really great when it's over. It's like going to the gym. Like when I finish the thing, I go, like, you know, <laughs> but it's, I always question writers who I wonder about writers who go like, oh, I'm going to go home because I can't wait to write. I think, oh. <laughs> guess you're not my people. <laughs> Do you try to write every day? No. I would, I would love to pretend that I write every day. I write something every day. Right. Do I, do I Grocery write? Grocery list, to-do list. Exactly. <laughs> Twitter. Twitter's good. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. I don't know. You know, I try, I go through periods where I don't write at all and I'm really mad at myself about it and all that kind of stuff. And I need deadlines. I love a deadline. Never met a deadline I didn't love. Um, I'm not. I used to be driven totally by passion to finish the project. Now, you know, I am easily distracted. And so, you know, the struggle is part of the thing that people need to be honest about in writing because it's, it is a struggle. I don't believe in writer's block. I don't believe any excuses are real. It's just the nature of the beast. I think is that, you know, I had, I have a friend, his name is William Missouri Downs, and he's a really prolific playwright. And when I went to his house the first time, after not seeing him for a million years, he showed me his office, and it was gorgeous. It was like this room with this big desk in it, and a gorgeous view of the Rocky Mountains. And I was like, ah, this is so idyllic. He wants to get a lot of writing done here. And then he took me down to the lower level of his house and opened up a closet. And in the closet, he had affixed this wooden shelf. And he sat on this little stool with his knees under the little shelf and he wrote there because on a computer that was not connected to the internet. And that's where he really wrote. He had a fake office and his real office. <laughs> <laughs> the stunt office. That's awesome. Yeah, exactly. It was his stunt office. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay, so I, I, I'm, I'm going to, I want to ask you something, but I'm going to use a name drop because I, I, I want to. And yeah. so um, a good, a friend of mine named Alanis Morissette, we were oh, sitting chatting. Geez. And I know that was a good name drop too, That's but we were sitting one. chatting one night, having a cocktail in, uh, in, uh, in, um, uh, Santa Monica. And I asked her, how do you know when it's time to write an album? And her response was, I know it's time to do an album when I'm pregnant with ideas. Yeah. So my question to you is how many do you have stored up right now that, you, that 
that you want to get to? And are they different genres, different topics? Yeah, they're all different. I have a lot. And they're, they're like, I wrote a musical with Doug Levine a couple of years ago that we still, I mean, we haven't even done a reading of it yet. We've got to get, we have to be focused enough. Karen, Karen June Gilmer is directing it. She's a costume designer at Pitt at the mm -hmm. drama school. She's hilarious. I love her. And um, so there's that, but then like I'm writing along with a friend who isn't real, isn't doing the actual writing, but she's doing the informing um, a pilot about a um, a nurse who works in a, um, a drug treatment facility that's corporate owned and she's a psych nurse and this woman is was actually that and so and it's really darkly funny so I'm working on that I'm also working on a rom-com and you know then there, there are just a lot of there's always things that I could write also yeah. what somebody to write about the um the e the EMT service in the Hill District that in the 60s mm -hmm. that I think it could be an incredible series you know I'm going to probably yeah. find somebody to write that and well that, we're talking rom-com dark comedy yeah. musical yeah. that's that's a hell of a spectrum if you want to look at it yeah, type yeah. thing. It is. It, those, like you said, you, like you, you have a different type of sense of humor, a different type. It, it, it doesn't line up with everyone else. No, it doesn't always, but well, it's filthy. And it's, <laughs> it's also, it's, it's also that it's, that I believe that comedy and drama lie right next to one another. Mm -hmm. um, the funniest comedy is not about jokes. It's about urgency. Mm-hmm about disproportionate urgency along with anxiety about what will happen if the thing doesn't work out, you know, mm -hmm. like being on a ledge because you're out of peanut butter. That to me feels like how, the core of comedy. Mm -hmm. And so I think that transition from one to the other is great. Actors, if I see an actor who can do great comedy, I know that they can do drama. I, you know, and, and drama, dramatic actors are not necessarily inherently funny. But, you know. You've been listening to Episode 7 of Screen Perspectives. Screen Perspectives is hosted by Don Kieser and Kevin Smith. Produced and engineered by Max Glider, Isaiah Stewart, and Jennifer Booker. Music by Isaiah Stewart. Special thanks to today's guest, Melissa Martin, the Pittsburgh Film Office, and to the University of Pittsburgh. Screen Perspectives is a production of the Pittsburgh Film Office.